0: This is Light the Tower on the Horn. Craigway with you. Jeff Howe will be back tomorrow. He is in the air as we speak, or soon-to-be wheels up anyway, as he uh, heads back. In fact, I think he is already uh, in the air. headed. But anyway, he's on his way back uh, here to the greater Austin area, and he will uh, be back in-house with us tomorrow. Uh, Longhorn football team, of course, going back to work with uh, practices and uh, got a chance to visit with Steve Sarkeesian yesterday. Sark went up to Kansas City for the basketball game. So uh, he was hanging out in a uh, the tunnel area right before you go out to the court side. And he was just, he was just uh, chatting with Dennis Dodd from CBS Sports. Uh, Dennis been covering the Big 12 a long time. And uh, uh, came over and he was like, ah, look who's here. Came up and <laughs> chatted and. I asked him how the uh, clinic went, said they had a great time. Uh really enjoyed uh, Kyle Shanahan coming in to speak. And of course, he has that uh that relationship with uh Kyle Shanahan, Sean McVay, uh Matt LaFleur and help me, um uh, the Dolphins coach who was off LaFleur. Mike McDaniels? Ma- yes. Uh he's he it, because it, he describes how they are in terms of their offensive philosophy as being like minded. Mm-hmm. Uh last May when uh Sark uh and um C D C and Vic Schaefer and I went down and, and Chris Beard, we, we went down to Houston and it was that um uh tour where they're visiting with the alumni and uh and when we were all down there. Uh, Sark when we got done in Houston was coming back and he was getting ready to take off the next day to go to California and meet with Sean McVay and then he was going to go up to uh, San Francisco and meet with Kyle Shanahan. Uh, and Then later he was going to meet with uh, Matt LaFleur and uh, Mike McDaniel. So he was going to meet with uh, those guys uh, he said we're all kind of on the same page. A lot of what we do offensively and the way they think and the theory that they have, offensive theories for football and things of that nature. But I said, was that? I said I remember last May you went out to California visit. He goes, yeah. I said, was that when you asked Shanahan? He goes, it was. He said that's when he asked uh, Kyle Shanahan if he would if he would uh, uh, come and and uh, speak at the clinic. So so we did. So uh, had a had a visit with him.
1: I love to be in those meetings, just as a football fan, yeah. just to see their. It's like the Belichick, Nick Saban, HBO doc that came out a few years ago. It's like, yeah. man, it's just the football IQ in that room is unmatched. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, cleanup from hour number one on the Specs text line. Uh, uh, somebody said Cunningham knew exactly what he was doing. Just saying, didn't say he didn't know what he was doing, and he was moving back to position himself for rebounding. Uh, and I, and and I do agree with those who say, hey, you can call the foul. On him as well as you could on Norchad Omir. I had no argument with that. It's a tough call to happen with a minute to go in the game against you, and and he's coming over his back as he back pedals. So they go into one another. So I didn't. I don't have a disagreement with how it could be called. Somebody else said I could see both guys fouling. Yeah, um, but but for somebody earlier to think or or to text that it was. Uh, a dirty play or whatever—that's where I'm definitely going to disagree with you. That it's not—he's trying to get a rebound in the moment and working game at a minute um, to go in in the basketball game. So that was part of it uh, as well. So
1: Brock's also—that's what he's on the his entire career at Texas. You know, he, he's a hard player. He hustles a lot and he he can box out. Brock was home with us um,
0: uh, out at Pluckers. Uh, I'd say pretty late in the season. And uh, on Longhorn Weekly. And I asked him, point blank, we got into the topic of, you know, playing hard-nosed basketball and, uh, you know, uh, the fouls and stuff and over the years and things like that. And I said, have you ever had an official tell you that they were watching you? And he said, yes. And I've told them I'm watching you too. (laughs) It's the way way he, he said he knows. Uh, that that's how it's been but um so that's why I said I don't uh, I don't have a, a a big substantive problem of of him being called for the foul it's a tough call to make and it looked as though the original call was going to be uh against uh Omer and not uh and not on Cunningham so you're thinking both teams were in the double bonus. It would have been the fifth foul on Omir. I mean, I'm looking. I've got my broadcast chart here. Some of it's kind of smeared there because of the water they got. I, I noticed that that that. spilled on that. For maybe, the, maybe I for thought that, maybe the, it was there's your there's a, sweat from, uh, from the no, game. No, no. What what that? That was the water that got spilled. I'm showing it there for anybody that's watching it on uh, uh, on uh, Twitch or on our YouTube channel. Um, the, um, the, uh, the the the. But, but looking at his numbers for Omir. Yeah, he had four fouls. It would have been the fifth foul. Uh, They would have been walking the other way with a minute to go in the game, and it would have been Brock Cunningham on the line, who, uh, by the way, went 11 for 11 from the free throw line in Big 12 conference play. He did miss one free throw against Xavier, which was, like, shocking to all of us there that he missed one free throw uh, in the win over Xavier. It's the only free throw he had missed since December. It was the first free throw he had missed since December because he was perfect in Big 12 play. Uh, but it wasn't to be. Uh, the foul was on Cunningham, uh, and to Omir's credit, he knocked down both free throws. This was a team we said at the top of the broadcast, you don't want to put them on the free throw line because as a team, as a team, they shot 78%. was no slouches themselves, 75% for the year, and in conference play they shot 78%. But Miami as a team overall was shooting seventy eight percent, so you didn't want to put them on the foul line, especially late in the ball game.
1: They're twenty five for twenty seven in the second yeah, half. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah.
0: and they and and did not have a field goal in the last four minutes and forty seconds. It was all from the foul line, and, and the Longhorns obviously had difficulty defending. Uh, Rodney Terry was asked about it in the post game, uh, and he said guys got downhill on him, and it was difficult to. We always talk about defending without fouling and how important it is. Uh, so. Uh, anyway, that's that's the situation uh there with that one. And and that's unfortunate uh there. So uh the season ends. Uh the Longhorns finish at twenty nine and nine, their third most wins in a season in school history. And uh, and of course all the reports and uh horns twenty four seven reporting uh that uh that the deal was imminent, that it was gonna get done, he was gonna be named the uh that Rodney Terry would be named the quote unquote permanent head coach in as much as permanency can ever be extended to a head coach in any sport at any level, right? But we'll be the full time. The interim tag removed from being uh, named uh, head coach at the University of Texas, that it's imminent. Um, I will be honest with you. Um, I won't I won't necessarily say, no, I won't say. I. I, I won't say that I had any sort of quote-unquote inside information or anything like that. But I had a really good feeling all along that this was how it was ultimately going to wind up. And, you know, I look at a lot of the activity on social media and folks are, this has got to get done! What are they doing? And I just wanted to say, relax.
1: I'm glad we're done with that storyline. What's that? I said, I'm glad we're done with that storyline. Yeah. Because if Texas wins, then today would have been about... How come they haven't still made him the permanent head coach yet? We're in the Final Four. It's like, now we can just move on to next season. Yeah, yeah.
0: And, and again, remember that this, if you'll go back and look at the statement and release when uh, Texas made the move to move on from uh, Chris Beard and at the time removed acting head coach the tag for Rodney Terry and put – Interim head coach on there. That was a step. Also, later on in the year, he got a salary bump to 1.9 million. I mean, the signs were all there that that this was going to get done. But in the same vein, the conversation was going back to the release that the a formal announcement, the, the evaluation would happen at the end of the season. And so they did not uh, not just CDC, but athletic department and administration. Those who are in the uh, decision making process on this stayed to their word. They did not, you know, whatever jump the gun on this or or that or whatever. They they just kind of followed that uh, that was set. So he said the uh, standard is set: elite eight or further from this season on. Well, hope so. I mean, it was the first time they got in the elite eight in fifteen years. <laughs> and you hope maybe they can make it a habit.
1: Uh, now there, so um, and I don't think you would have thought that after that 2008 lead eight that Texas would not be back for 15 years.
0: I know I didn't. Think about this. By the time at the end, I thought about this yesterday, and Eddie Orr and I were talking about this off the air, and I think David Garrett, our engineer, and I were talking about this when the 2008 season ended. It. Marked the ending of a point where Texas went to five sweet sixteens, three elite eights and a final four in a seven year span. Think about that for a moment. Five sweet sixteens in oh one oh two, my first season on the play by play, oh one oh two oh two oh three was a final four year. oh three oh four, three straight uh uh sweet sixteens. And and uh so you had three straight sweet sixteens and a final four tucked in there. Then after a first round accident in 05, Elite Eight in 06, and they had a second round accident in 07, and then Elite 8 in 08. So uh in seven seasons, five sweet sixteens, three elite eights, and a final four. So I, I think all of us had probably not only had gotten used and accustomed to it, maybe maybe took it for granted. I don't know, but it fell off after that. It was second round in two thousand nine, a tough loss to Duke in in Greensboro, in the second round. Twenty ten, uh, that overtime loss, heartbreaking to Wake Forest in New Orleans. Twenty eleven, second round loss uh, when the, you, you want to talk about officiating, uh, mm-hmm. Richard Cartmell's. Five second count. It's funny. Uh, uh, Sean Miller was the head coach, of course, of Arizona at that time, and of course, he was the head coach of Xavier the other night in Texas. Went. And on the off, uh, on the day before Texas played Xavier on uh, Thursday, Sean Miller had finished his formal news conference and was standing out in the hallway and doing. You know, re- uh, reporters had ga- uh, gathered around. And I think it was Bob Blue at K.I. who asked him, said, hey, look, I know you, uh, you know, n- none of those games you've, you've never lost to Texas as an assistant at Xavier in 04, head coach in 11 uh, at Arizona. I-, I know I know none of that means anything to you now, but do you have any recollection? He goes, yeah, you know, in 2011, it was a great ball game. He said, Sean Miller said this. He goes, there was a five-second count, and everybody kind of looked, and he went, I thought it was the right call, and everybody got a laugh. Everybody knew it wasn't the right call. You can go back and see the video. You see Richard Cartmel go one, two, three, and then he goes four, five, real quick. and Nobody could believe it. Rick Barnes couldn't believe it, and all I said was, and, and Richard Cartmel used to go by Dick Cartmell for a long time, years, and then he went to Richard Cartmell. So all I said was afterwards, so he made the call. I said, thanks, Dick and that was that was the deal. It was it, but, you know that was that was the call back then. But but um, th- so that happened in 2012. Then they had the drop off season in 13, where they didn't make the NCAA tournament. The one time under Rick Barnes where they missed the tournament entirely, went to the CBI and got beat on a tip in at the buzzer against Houston. If if Houston had beaten Miami on Friday. The game would have been Texas against Houston, as we know, yesterday. It would have been their first meeting since that CBI first-round game at what was still called Hofheinz Pavilion, not the Fertitta Center, um, since then. And Houston won that game on that. They came back in 14, got to the second round, lost to Michigan uh, with Karis Lavert. I think it went to the Final Four or went to the championship game against UConn that year. Um, then uh, in 15, uh, lost in the first round to uh, Xavier. I mean to Butler and that was it. Uh, for Rick Barnes and and we know they lost on the half court shot under Shaka Smart in 16, uh, then go in 17 lost to Nevada in overtime at 18 missed the tournament, in 19 won the NIT that year, no tournament in 20 due to the pandemic, and then of course in 21 they, you know, the 14 versus 3 loss tabling Christian. So been a long time. Fifteen years since going to the Sweet Sixteen slash Elite Eight, and they did there, so that's why somebody says the standard set Elite Eight or further. Uh, some of the uh, and somebody else had said sources: Roddy Terry finalizing a deal to be the next head coach of Texas. Press conference expected this week. I'm sure um, and that's from John Rothstein of CBS, and again, uh, Horns twenty four seven reporting it last night, and so it's you know getting getting there. So anyway. So there's some of that. It's other folks weighing in on the foul. Uh, <laughs> as some think they can coach or quarterback, others think they're an AD. I understand that. Uh, CB pointed out, remember in 08, Texas lost to an ineligible player in Derrick Rose of Memphis in the Elite Eight when Memphis vacated all those wins they had to, got to the championship game and uh, lost to Kansas in overtime. CB, by the way, had, had commented on a tweet last night. There was a there was a photo that our good friend Cedric Golden of the Austin American Statesman had tweeted, uh, our, our seats were beside each other on press row. So he was like, Hey, gray way. He calls me gray way, you know, cause of that whole deal with the Oral Roberts coach. And I was in fact wearing gray yesterday I had a gray sweater and gray slacks. And and I said to him, I said, Hey, gray way to him were like, And so he said, Hey, gray, let's get a picture. So he, so he tweeted out a picture, uh, uh, sitting next to me, NCB, CB uh, tweeted in a question. He goes, where's John Madani? John Madani works for ESPN Radio. So ESPN Radio doesn't broadcast the NCAA tournament. Um, Westwood One broadcast the NCAA tournament. So, uh, so there you go. One other question for the break. Female listener, 17, says, what's your theory for the tournament drought after 08? Drought being relative. Um, I think it was a variety of things um, that Unfortunate whirlpool that happens of one and duns. You think about the guys who are coming in; we're staying one year or two years max. Uh, so I think that was part of it, uh, as well. Um, uh, Andrew, was, Jones. Uh, Andrew Jones, Andrew uh, Jones' illness was big there. But, you know, even even on the, on the tail end of the Rick Barnes thing, uh, there were some one and done things, and then they just. Uh, missed on some recruits, no doubt, all programs do. Happened when uh, Shaka was there. He mentioned Andrew Jones, uh, the illness there, the one-and-dones there. Uh, Jared Allen, you know, great one season and then gone. Mo Bamba, the great one season and then, then gone. Uh, the one-and-done trend had started really with Kevin Durant. I mean, T.J. Ford stayed two seasons, and then he was going after the final four-year national player of the year and all that sort of stuff.
1: Yeah, Katie's class because you had Michael Beasley, O.J. Mayo. All those guys were yeah. just one and done. Exactly,
0: exactly. So I think that was part of it. I think there was a lot of things that led to it. All right, we need a break. When we come back, we've got a Flex 30 update. And this hour's long, horn notebook will update that college baseball poll. Guess who's back in the rankings? And, in fact, in the rankings for the first time this season. This is Light the Tower on the Horn, 104.9, 1019, AM 1260. We're live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Flex ATX for the best high school sports coverage. Listen to the horn and go to flxatx.com. Flex 30 is brought to you by Brain Vault. Brain Vault is a revolutionary and patented mouth guard that has been proven to help reduce the risk of concussion. Visit brainvault.com and join the movement. Well, in addition to everything else, Longhorn basketball, Texas baseball with a sweep of Texas Tech, Texas softball, as we mentioned earlier, with a sweep of Texas Tech, the Dell match play, NASCAR at CODA. In addition to all of that, there was high school activity baseball, playoff soccer, all of that. Camp Parker was keeping a close eye on that as we bring you the Flex 30 update.
1: Yeah, the bi district round of the girls and boys playoff rounds kicked off last week and uh, a good week for both Round Rock and Dripping Springs, Craig. Uh, Dripping Springs, a 9 0 victory over Reagan. They advancing to the area round along with the Round Rock Dragons. Did you say Reagan? You meant North, Northeast, right? I believe it's San Antonio Reagan. Oh, San Antonio Reagan. Okay. Yeah. All right, yes. So okay. two good wins for Round Rock. Drip went to the – the girls went – or sorry, the boys went to the state championship last yep. year. The girls have been before. Mm-hmm. That's a team that I would not want to face. Dripping uh, they Drip will play Cibolo Steel next week. Round Rock, San Antonio Lee. Lake Travis, the girls lost to Westwood, 1-0. The boys, however, did beat Vandergrift 2-1. Uh, they'll play San Antonio Johnson. Um next week in the area round and the Vandergriff girls they knocked off Buda Johnson they'll play San Antonio Johnson next week Stony Point boys beat Bowie they'll play Brandeis and then some 5A scores Leander Georgetown both girls and boys winning their by district matchups and then Bastrop McCallum Hendrickson girls all advancing and then Ralphs. and how about Northeast early college high school Craig advancing for the boys as well that's where, where I was going with that about Northeast so Good, good for those
0: Raiders on that as well. All right, so there you are. There is your flex. 30, wait, and you said baseball, right? Yeah, I mean, that Round rock Stony Point game, right?
1: Yeah, Go Round fun. Rock, uh, a good victory for them. They improved to now uh, 5-0 in district play. So out, out of the top Syntec schools, Round Rock, um, Westlake, Georgetown, they're still on all undefeated in, in district play and look like they're going to be the top teams to meet. So I'm excited to see what the playoffs may shake out. But yeah. Ron Rock looks looks just unstoppable. I'm excited to see them face Vandergriff because Vandergriff's got a really good baseball team as well.
0: going to be a lot of fun.
1: All right, so there it is, your Flex 30 update. Time
0: now for a Longhorn Notebook. And um, the uh, Longhorn Notebook for this hour is basically uh, just to update you on uh, the top 25, the brand-new D1 baseball. Top 25 is out. Our man CB, eager to play spoiler, says Texas is ranked, A&M is unranked. <laughs> <laughs> that is true, uh, but here's here are the rankings. Um, the top four remain the same. LSU, Wake Forest is number two. Wake Forest, yeah, 22 and three. They're number two. Uh, Florida is third, and Vanderbilt is fourth. Then Virginia up three spots to number five. Arkansas dropped a spot to number six. Stanford picked up two positions up to number seven. East Carolina up two spots to number eight. South Carolina up a couple of spots, number nine. Gamecocks are twenty-three and two. Tennessee moved back up two spots from twelve to ten. Remember, the Volunteers at one time had been number one. They got swept by Missouri, dropped to number twelve, and then swept Texas A and M over the weekend, and that pushed them two spots back up to number ten. Second ten begins with Louisville, which had a tough weekend, went two and two and dropped five spots from six to eleven. Same thing with UCLA, went one and two and dropped five spots from seven to twelve. North Carolina, uh, it went up two spots from fifteen to thirteen, uh, and that include winning a series over Duke over the weekend. Boston College up a couple of positions. ACC strong this year. Uh, they're number fourteen. Campbell, that's the camels. Yep. of Campbell University from Buies Creek, North Carolina uh they're uh between uh, Raleigh and Fayetteville just north of Fayetteville uh Campbell is up 3 spots they're 19 and 3 uh, from 18 to 15 did you know I know you're a North Carolina native like like I am did you know that Campbell was the was the site and still has but was the original college basketball coaching camp that's where John Wooden was for years. Wow. Eddie Orne went to that camp uh, originally. So something else. Campbell, number 15. Florida Gulf Coast, up three spots to 16. Oklahoma State, up three spots. They had dropped to 20 from 13 after dropping two out of three in Lubbock to Texas Tech. Back up three places as the Cowboys swept Baylor over the weekend. That's where Texas has to go this weekend to uh, take on the Cowboys, who are 20-5. and five. They had a Perfect 4-0 week. They beat Wichita State pretty handily, then swept the three. They spotted Baylor a 7 nothing lead on Friday night and came back and won that contest and then uh, beat Baylor on Saturday and Sunday. So Oklahoma State will be the next conference opponent for Texas. That's up at O'Brate Stadium in Stillwater. Big series coming this weekend. They're 17. Kentucky up to 18 for number 23. Coastal Carolina won the series from Texas State over the weekend. Uh, they split the doubleheader on Saturday, and uh, Coastal won, I think, nineteen to nothing on Friday. So, uh, Coastal is uh, was not ranked in the poll at number nineteen. Connecticut, yeah, UConn can play baseball as well. Uh, they're number twenty, and then you have the Longhorns in the poll for the first time this season. They were unranked, and then of course had the difficult start. Started four and seven. Now they won fourteen in a row. And had a 4 in a week, clearly. And so their number 21, Texas Tech, which had been 14, got swept by Texas. And uh, that and they didn't play a midweek game, I thought was kind of odd, as well. And they go 0-3 in the week. And the Red Raiders drop eight spots from number 14 to number 22. Uh, number 23 is Miami. Uh, hurricanes are having a good athletic year, well, at least with the basketball and the baseball. And... uh uh, you know, the women's basketball got to the Elite Eight before they lost to Kim Mulkey, Kim Mulkey in her boa jacket and, yeah. uh, uh LSU. <laughs> Somebody asked what I thought about that. Colorful. Uh, as Chad Hastings often said of her when she was coaching Baylor, ah, oh, Kim has the spring line out now. That kind of thing. But she, it, she there was a soundbite that uh, Bucky and Aaron, uh played. We'll see if we can find that. It's pretty humorous because her players are talking about it in the news conference, and she blames – Sponsor for their wardrobe person for that. Uh, West Virginia stayed at number twenty-four, and Iowa in the poll at number twenty-five. Ole Miss dropped out. Texas A&M dropped out. Missouri dropped out. Grand Canyon dropped out. Uh, So there it is, your uh, D1 baseball top 25 rankings, number 21 Texas going into tomorrow night's game in College Station. Okay, before we break, so you do have this. uh, LSU in its second season under Kim Mulkey is going to the women's final four in Dallas. But everybody was talking about her outfit, that jacket with the kind of pink boa look, feathery look, uh, down the the sleeves, and so her players – we're asked about it in the news conference, and you knew Kim was going to jump in and and add uh, some commentary on it as well.
1: What did you think of uh, her outfit tonight? <laughs> oh, we already told her this this probably her best fit. You know, it's one
0: of her best ones. <laughs> she always comes. I mean, the whole staff be coming trim. They all fly, so nobody be lacking. They always try to outdo each other. So. <laughs> <laughs> she don't pick these outfits Trust I me I do y'all. not go pick these things out New Brant is the name of the stylist And she's shipping another one When she saw all we won tonight yeah. <laughs> Most of the time I wear Queen of Sparkles Look, we're from Louisiana We like sparkles, we like diamonds We like Mardi Gras, we like to eat And we like to party So I'm filling the bill For my home state There <laughs> it is Queen of Sparkles or is she like we like sparkly things? Queen of sparkles, she is. She's all of that. Now she's got a team into the final four. Uh, two more slots on the women's final four to be filled tonight uh, in uh, Greenville and Seattle in the regional. There, by the way, in case you were wondering, it was Iowa that won that Seattle four regional that Texas was in after Louisville beat Texas. Louisville defeated Ole Miss on Friday in the Sweet Sixteen, and in
1: Iowa. Uh, with what's got to be the national player of the year, Caitlin Clark, first player in NCAA history to have a thirty-point triple double in both men's and women's basketball. Yeah, yeah. And she had a she, she had what
0: forty-one points, mm-hmm. I think, in that. So, yeah, um, it'd be interesting to see if they it, how they would do in a matchup with South Carolina uh, on that. If if they were because I still think South Carolina is still the team to beat. Obviously, they're unbeaten. We'll see how that goes on that All right, uh, we'll be back to wrap up today's edition of Light the Tower here on The Horn 104.9 1019 AM 1260 we're live local and digital on The Horn app and at hornfm.com well that's going to wrap it up for uh, today's program and uh, I want to thank everybody participating our friend uh, Pastor Smasher said how hey can that uh, soundbite be a soundbite the queen of sparkle (laughs) And Stoner says, there's a problem. Vic needs a wardrobe style. Actually, Vic's pretty smartly dressed when he's out there. And Jeff Mudd said, I thought LSU was being coached by 1974 Elton John. Great line. See what you did there, Jeff. All right. Uh, we're done for today's program. Stay tuned. Chad and Zay are up next. We'll be with you tomorrow before heading over to the Brazos Valley for baseball. Texas against Texas ain't and we'll have a preview of that tomorrow. Stay tuned, Chad and Zay are up next. Jeff will be back tomorrow as well. We'll visit with you tomorrow morning at 10 o'clock right here on Light the Tower.